got my computer back so we're doing another episode of this podcast and of course we're going to be covering the Wednesday Night Wars. It's October 31st. It's Halloween. We just got done watching the October 30th episodes of AEW Dynamite and NXT on USA. Dustin, did you enjoy these shows? I don't know how you can. Every week we get good solid wrestling and entertaining segments on Wednesday nights. It just seems like Monday and Friday are so hit or miss. I don't want to say that all of Raw is bad and all of SmackDown is bad, but it mm-hmm. it seems like it's a struggle to get through some of these shows, especially Raw when it's three hours. But four hours on Wednesday nights, I have no problem with. And to be honest, Tuesday nights with NWA Power, Impact Wrestling, and AW Dark, I, there's just so much to love in the middle of the week. And I find that Tuesday and Wednesdays uh, are, are my favorite days to be a wrestling fan. Yeah, I mean, AEW Dark is sneaky good. <laughs> like, Right? They probably should push it a little bit more just so more people will watch because it's good. Absolutely. Like, one of their best TV matches of them all was uh, the, what do they call it? The, uh, not the unsanctioned matches. Yeah. That yeah, they yeah. Have. yeah. They had the Janela versus, you know, Kenny. Well, Hodge, at least they did last week. And, really you know, they, they talked about AEW Dark and then they did the rematch. And it was a different kind of match. But, I mean, if you haven't checked out AEW Dark, go ahead. It's on YouTube. Uh, I think it's only an hour long with, you know, Tony Schiavone kind of hosts it. And then they just do the Dark mm-hmm. matches. So do your best not to get those spoiled. I'm not going to post those. And I'll let you guys know uh, what you can expect for next Tuesday. I got a list here of the AEW Dark matches. But we're going to start off with uh, NXT. So NXT opened up with Poppy. Did you know of Poppy? I mean, I'm sure you saw the stuff about her on Twitter, that Triple H and, you know, the NXT account uh, were posting. I didn't see any of that. (laughs) I I had no idea who she was. And every time you click one of their videos or something, it's just she her face just pops up and she goes, I'm Poppy. And I'm like, what the what, what what is this? But when she opened up the show, 
I kind of liked it. I mean, how how'd you feel about that little, you know, no, en- she did the entrance seemed... and then she did, she played one of her songs, which was called I Disagree. And then she did Io Shirai's entrance uh, to her song, Scary Mask. Yeah, it seems cool. Like at first you're like, what's going on? You know, trying to figure everything out. But yeah, it was cool. I specifically enjoyed the Lo Shirai, Yo, Yo Shirai uh, entrance. And, you know, she's a, She's a badass, and I'm looking forward to watching her every week. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So let's get right into it. Uh, EO and Candice started off, and this was a fantastic match. If there's one thing that we can uh, say pretty definitively about the NXT and AEW comparisons is that NXT has the better women's division, right now at least. I, AEW has a lot of talented women. But yeah, by a mile, by, I mean, NXT's putting miles. it together. No offense to AEW's women's division, but it's light years apart. Like, we'll get into it later, but uh, that female women's war games match is going to be unreal. So, yeah. Anyways, this match, though, you know, Candice, she, she can't seem to get a win or whatever, but, you know, she kind of has the same role as her husband, Johnny, and, you know, I, a lot of people enjoy your work. I do, too, and... Hopefully she just keeps improving, you know, has that really good baby face fire. And Shirai is just an amazing heel. Like everyone loved her as a baby face and everything, what, six months ago. And in Japan, she was a heel. And like all the smart people were like, yo, just wait for her to turn. And here we are. <laughs> She's, I mean, so. Io, Io is absolutely fantastic. I tweeted it as I was watching NXT, but I, I think she might be a top 10 wrestler in my opinion. Men and women combined. I mean, she's just yeah. week after week, she's putting on phenomenal matches. And Candice LeRae's no slouch, but you know, like Pretty you said, it, too. yeah, with EO in there, <laughs> Candice, as good as she is, just looks a notch below her. Um, but these mm-hmm. two have put on fantastic matches. I think they've had two now, and this one went 13 minutes, uh, a little under that actually. And the finish was, I mean, Candice did like a flip, and she landed on a chair. At one point, I thought it was at the end, but I think it might have been earlier in the match, but her nose was busted open, Candace. Yeah. She, uh, I, don't, I don't remember seeing where exactly she got caught, but, yeah. but like you said, they have really good chemistry, and it's it's probably best for Candace to work with someone that's a level up from her right now, because I feel like she's the type of girl that always works with someone that's like a step below her. Yeah. So, you know, she can improve working with Io Shirai and become maybe a big-time player in that NXT Women's Division. I, I, I mentioned think it down already, the line but... we're going to see Candice be exactly what Johnny Gargano was. But, you know, John, Johnny Gargano had to kind of pay his dues too. Uh, so, mm-hmm. you know, th- this is just kind of that storyline that I think they're doing. But I have no complaints about this match. It was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Io obviously got the win. And... Right after the match, Rhea came at her and started attacking. So, you know, it looked like we were going to get, like, maybe a Rhea and EO type deal. But, well, we'll get to what happened later on in, in the show. No, but NXT did a phenomenal job of, like, telling that story of getting to that War Games man, uh, announcement. Because, you know, all the girls are, like, you've seen it over the past five weeks where it'll be Rhea going after... Shirai, but then it's uh, Bianca Belair going after Rhea, and then it's, you know, I kind of, 
it should have been obvious, but I just figured that they're going to have one War Games match. So they, I was really pumped when they announced that they're going to have the female War Games match as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like you said, everything's been so intertwined with, uh, you know, all, all of the women. And, you know, we've talked a lot about how every single woman in that division is so strong in their own way. So it mm-hmm. just kind of makes sense that it all built up to War Games. And like you said, I didn't really expect two War Games matches, but that looks like, I mean, that doesn't just look like, that is what we're going to get. Uh, I think, what, War Games is going to be in three and a half weeks? Yeah, I mean, by the looks of it, we're getting two War Games matches. We're going to get Finn Balor versus Johnny Gargano. Holy shit. Uh, we're going to get some form of some form of a tag match of some sort with undis or they're going to be in the war games, never mind, but uh, Killian Dane, and maybe uh, he, he might have a match with Pete Dunne, maybe? So the card's looking pretty stacked, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think another possibility that uh, we could maybe start to talk about would be maybe if you want to do a tag match in there, Killian Dane and Cameron Grimes versus Pete Dunne yeah. and Tyler Bate. I mean, that kind of makes sense to me. That does as well, and uh, I've been kind of tweeting about it and predicting that ever since Dane has been coming out with Grimes, I kind of figured that they would be a tag team eventually. And yeah, I don't know, it's just that NXT booking—you know—they do everything slow and they build it up. And I can see, like I like they've tried Dane as a singles guy, and Grimes is—I don't know if he has like below like a mid card upside. So if you put them together, maybe they could be a really good tag team. That's a really so. good point. I, I think that Grimes is a really fantastic worker, but that he lacks yeah. a certain something. Uh, that and they kind of fit him. well together because Grimes is the bumping machine, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, and then the hot tag you bring in Dane. So like I've kind of liked that idea ever since I've seen him on screen together. To be honest, I mean, leave it to NXT to book something that we all definitely want to see. Yep. <laughs> All right, Absolutely. so next, after the EO and Candice match, uh, we had Finn Balor. And I know that you watched NXT first and then AEW, and I did the flip. Um, so, yep. you know, I, I had been hearing about this Balor. Uh, it was pretty quick promo, you know, but he was there to explain himself. But I, this was pretty pretty good. I mean, what did you think about it? I thought it was, like, pretty badass for, like, a, what, a three-minute promo? Like, he uh, originally... When he first started talking, he mentioned The Fiend and, like, the way he worded it was just... Yeah, I actually have it written down. He said, he said, two, yeah. he said, two months ago, I'm laying down for what's supposed to be the hottest thing in the business just because he put on a new mask. Well, I just took my mask off and now I'm the hottest thing in the business. And as usual, everybody's got their opinions. The fans have their opinions. The office has their opinions. The boys in the back have their opinions. And there's a bunch of Twitter tough guys out there on social media. The problem around here is that there's too many fans in the locker room when they should be sitting out here with these people. Let's make one thing clear. I don't watch the business. The business watches me. Which brings me to Johnny Gargano, the heart of NXT. Johnny, congrats. I heard you got out of the hospital. Let me make one thing very clear. I'll send you right back, and you'll be Johnny Watches Wrestling the way it's supposed to be. And everything about this was fucking fantastic. I mean... The Prince, man. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, so let's talk He's about awesome. that. You watch WWE backstage, right? I did watch it, and uh, also I listened to the uh, Corey Graves' uh, new podcast, and mm-hmm. Triple H was on it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to go off on a little tangent, but he mentioned that, you know, main roster guys can come to NXT, maybe they need a three-year, six-month break. And 
the whole time he's talking and he's saying that laying out the scenario, I'm picturing Finn Balor and Finn Balor is already like, you know, he's going to be down in NXT for who knows how long, probably not more than four to six months if I had to guess, but then he's already building up a storyline for when he goes to the main roster with the fiend. Like, I feel like this is a lot of deep storytelling from triple H and his crew to help Balor get to that point where he was before he, won that universal title at SummerSlam 2016 when he tore his shoulder or his pec or whatever it was. I think so, we could I think we could easily see Balor stay for a couple of months, return to the main roster, say around Rumble time, right? Yep. And throw the yeah. fiend out. Um assuming he should the fiend win the is, Rumble. Uh, he should win the Rumble. That would actually be a the really fiend good idea. He should be champion by then. Like I've been wanting this ever since um I'm I'm apparently I'm just a fantasy booker and shit, but I I think I tweeted this about instantly about two months ago <laughs> no i mean but the yeah. fiend versus uh the demon finn balor it should absolutely happen it's money it it looks it's, like it's going it's easy. to it's easy it's the most it's the simplest story but you can add like little sparks to it it's perfect but anyways back to his promo it was really damn good i mean just looking at his uh, facial expressions and body language, you know. It, you mentioned backstage about, you know, he, he mentioned the prince and all that from his time in New Japan. And, you know, I'm trying, it's nice to be excited about Finn Balor. It's just basically what the hell I'm trying to say is. Yeah. It's nice to be excited for yeah. Finn I Balor mean, again because it's been almost three years. Yeah. As <laughs> good as he is a babyface, I mean, you know, he's got a fantastic body. He's very likable. He's got a good personality. Mm-hmm. He's got a smile that goes for days, but there's something that feels natural about him being a heel. And if you've ever watched the Bullet Club, New Japan, Prince Debit stuff, you know, with mm-hmm. AJ Styles, all those guys, it's just, it just feels right. And I'm happy that we're getting to see it on NXT. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the, there is two War Games matches now, pretty much announced, but Johnny Takeover and... Mr. NXT himself and Balor might steal that weekend and steal that show. We'll see, but I wouldn't put it past him. That's for damn sure. Absolutely. So after the Finn Balor promo, we had Shane Thorne versus Bronson Reed in a four-minute and 22-second match. Um, mm-hmm. As short as this was, I thought it was really good. They traded the chops a little too long for my taste, mm-hmm. but Bronson Reed really impressed me. I mean, he's he's a big guy. But he knows how yeah. to work the hard cam. He won with that giant splash. I mean, a big guy getting up mm-hmm. on top of those ropes, it's exciting. Because when he crashes down on top on top of a smaller guy, it just rocks the whole ring. And you really feel like there's no way they could be faking this. Yeah, are you surprised that he won? I'm not. I'm not I'm not at all. Really? I mean, no. I, well, cause I kind of was, but... Well, he had the match uh, against Riddle two weeks ago, was it? Yeah. Or maybe it was two. And I just thought like that, that yeah. they gave him enough offense in that match to to think that this guy's going to be something. I like Shane Thorne, but Bronson Reed, to me, uh, is the guy that they need to push in this situation. Yeah, I agree. Probably, like, yeah, he's looked really good in his matches, too. And Shane Thorne was really good in, was it the first or second episode of NXT against uh, Johnny? Johnny Gargano? Yeah, I think it was I yeah. think it was the second. Second or third? Second, yeah, okay, second. So, they both have earned this opportunity to be on TV tonight. You know, it's not just like, oh, 
here we go. I guess we're going to run with you guys. And, uh, like, they, they have a ton of dudes that they could get on, or, and females that they they can get on TV. So, yeah, it, it definitely both, wasn't. Um, it definitely wasn't Reed one of those things like the where they pushed... upside for sure. Yeah, for that? sure. Well, I'm, I was just saying that it's one. Of, it's not one of those things, like you said, where they just put two guys out there and you're like, why the fuck are these guys, you know, fighting yep. each other? It's sometimes they do that, especially on the main roster, and you get conditioned when you're mm-hmm. watching a WWE show to kind of think that everything's, uh, you know, like the main roster. And when they do something like this on NXT, I thought four minutes was the perfect amount of time. Shane Thorne got in enough offense to still may, remain viable, but Bronson Reed was clearly the uh, you know the star of this one, and I just think that their booking is so on point with everything they do, even these small matches. Yeah, I mean, you go back in the day or back in the early days of NXT as like you know the early takeover days, on their TV shows, this is how they would build guys up. They would be jobbers, and then they would get like a win here, and then they would. You know, get, become like a mid carter and they just work their way up, like kind of like a Tyler Breeze, you know. So it's it's impressive, and I'm looking forward to see where this guy goes. Showing some athleticism, like you said, with this finish, and hopefully, you know, he can have a match with like a Keith Lee or another big dude, and it could Di- be good. <laughs> Dijak or whatever, Dijakovic, yep. whatever his name is. I think I know it's so. Hard to remember. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like they change it every other week, but whatever. Yeah. So after the Bronson Reed Chain Thorn match, we got uh, a little backstage promo with Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox kind of teasing the match that was upcoming. Uh, Dakota said that they were nervous, but they were good nerves. And just for me, that said that they were going to lose. I don't, I mean, I kind of already knew they were going to lose to the Kabuki Warriors, but that promo to me just said, um, Team Kick wasn't going to do it. And then Tegan Knox said that she couldn't think of a better way to win than with her best friend. So part of me wonders if this is like a slow build to them turning on each other or Dakota Kai I turning. Hope not. Yeah, I, I don't think I'd like that. No. Uh, I like them too much together. They're, they're great. <laughs> like, you know, it's funny about the challengers, Asuka. She has never lost, she never lost in NXT. And. I feel like everyone forgot that because they fucked her up so bad on the main roster, you know. So well, it's like you know now no that you me- now that you mention that it, she it. didn't lose on the main roster until that WrestleMania match against Charlotte. But since then, I mean, her booking's kind of gone yeah. to shit. Yep. Thank you all for that. Thank you WWE for that messing up that. You know, Triple H. You know, made her pretty much what the most. <laughs> well-protected female wrestler ever. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, whatever. Hey, yeah, you know, that main, main roster is going to do what the main roster is going to do. What's that? Main roster is going to do what the main roster is going to do. Yeah. She has to spit mist and shit. Anyways. So, no, but... the Kabu- so the thing about the Kabuki Warriors to me was that even though they're supposed to be heels... You knew mm-hmm. they were going to get cheered, and sure as shit, as soon as the match started, Asuka's going to kill you. Asuka's yeah. going to... And it's like, I, I'm not saying it's bad booking, but I'm just saying, like, I don't know if you want to put your, like, babyface team against those girls. You know what I mean? Because they're supposed yeah. to be heels, but they're going to get cheered. And this match went 24 minutes, and I don't think the crowd for one second lost interest in the Kabuki Warriors. 
or Team Kick. Like, for real, though. They both did. You know, I feel like Asuka, you know, it, it just bothers me so much because if they just give her time in matches, this is what you get, you know. And Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox remind me of Bailey and Sasha Banks pretty much. I'm not yeah, even bullshit. Like, like, that's how good I think they can be and how much potential I think they have. I think uh, Dakota Kai is already better than Bailey in that comparison, honestly. So I'm just looking forward to this whole entire NXT women's division because they're freaking loaded. <laughs> it's so it's so stacked. Like, it's it's, it's going to be crazy when Shayna drops the belt, you know. I think eventually oh she'll lose it, she'll move up to the main roster, but there's so many women that you could argue should be champion from EO to Candice to Dakota to Tegan to uh, what Bianca Belair. I'm sure Bianca I'm Bella, missing yeah. some, but uh. Oh, uh, Candice LeRae. I said her, but they're all so good. Yeah, Yeah, they're just all all so, so good. And I didn't realize that this was a 24-minute match until I checked the time on it because even though there were two commercial breaks, it just kind of flew by. Both shows flew by, honestly. Yeah, they did. Hmm. So, So if you had to pick one of those females to take that belt off, Shayna, who do you think it's going to be? I think Rhea. Rhea's the one to take it off of her. Hmm. I kind of feel like it's going to be... I think it has to be a baby face, but I don't have a problem with her. Well, the thing about Rhea <laughs> is that she's not necessarily a heel. She's more like an anti Oh, wait, Rhea. Yeah, sorry. I was thinking of... Uh, or Yoshirai, so... Yeah, okay, yeah. She could do it, for yeah, sure. For sure. But... How long does she hold it for, you think? Because <laughs> I feel like they have so many females they need to be champions. It's kind of weird. That's true. I, I you know, I don't, I, don't exactly, range, I don't exactly know how long I'd book her for. That's that's the problem they have, you know. You talked about over? you talked about Corey Graves' as a, a podcast, and one of the things that he was talking about Triple H was, is, you know, back in the days of call-ups, and apparently there's no more call-ups. They're treating it like a third brand now. Uh, but, you know, mm-hmm. Triple H had said that at one point they kind of took all the horsewomen and they took the entire women's division and he just said, leave me Asuka and I can use her to prop up the Figure division and build something around it. So uh, I, I trust Triple H because you've seen what he's done with the women in the past and you just know he's not going to fuck it up. No, he's not. Yeah. Jeez. I'm really excited for that War Games match. So after uh, – so, oh, the other thing about this match – that. How much offense did Tegan get in? It felt like Dakota Kai was stuck in there for, like, most of the match, eight, right? Eight minutes? Eight, eight to ten minutes? Yeah. Yeah, it seemed like they were just doing, you know, because it was for a whole – she was in there for, like, three minutes before the commercial break. Then there was a commercial break, and then she was in there for about three more minutes. And then they did the hot tag finally. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It makes sense. I mean, you know. Have Dakota Kai, you know, bump for the heels and all that, and then get Tegan Knox in for the hot tag. So, and then this all is where all, this is where that war enough. games angle came up. Uh, yes. Shayna and Marina and Jessamine came out, and Knox went at them and fought them off for a bit. But Shayna nailed her with a step up and Zaguri, and then that's when Rhea Ripley. She didn't exactly run out; she kind of walked out and just stared and kept walking towards. Uh, Shayna, and at that point, 
you know, Team Kick and the other horsewomen just kind of started brawling on the side, and all the focus was on Rhea and Shayna. And then I think Candace came out and Bianca came out, and the security was tossing around the women. I, I saw a good, I saw one of the security guys really just toss one of them down to the floor, and I was like, Jesus, like, what's going on? But Regal comes out, and, you know, he says, War Games is going to happen. So, um, they they announced later. Kathy Kelly said that Rhea and Shayna were going to be team captains. So what what are the teams for this? I mean, it's interesting. So they're only going to do two teams then. I, I would assume. They're, what? So you have? They're not going to do three teams. I, I'm not sure. Well, yeah, I guess it's two teams because there's two team captains. But uh, Shayna, I would assume, is going to take Marina and Jessamine, and then yeah. EO was out That's there the too, thing. right? Yeah, I was thinking about it though. I was like, "How are you going to do that though?" Because you got, you know, you got your horsewoman. So there's three. And I was thinking it was going to be Team Kick and uh, Candice, but then you can't pair Rhea with uh, Shirai and uh, Belair, can you? So yeah, because I think Eo Eo and Bianca should be on that uh, on the heel team for me, but then that yeah. leaves you with. Team Kick, Rhea, and Candice, so they're down a woman. I'm wondering if they're going to add a fifth woman or if Shayna's going to uh, have to make a decision and make it four on four. Or maybe the horsewomen are in it and there's a fourth one. Hmm. That could be I'm possible. I'm trying to think of... I don't know who the options would be because, you know, pretty much all the females are in the angle. Yeah, exactly. So, hmm, maybe they just choose one of them. Well, I'm, I, they, they said to stay tuned to CBS Sports for some interviews or something like that. So maybe we'll get some clarity. We still have three and a half weeks to go. So it's good that they're leaving us with a couple of questions because, well, we're going to tune in next week and we're going to watch the show and we're going to, you know, then we'll find out what's happening. And I'm sure by the time that War Games does roll around, we're going to be very, even more so excited than we are right now uh, for this match. Oh, for sure. It's going to be lit <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right so after that we had uh the killian day or not the killian day match well he did tyler show Bate. up but the tyler bait and cameron grimes match it went 13 minutes and man tyler bait is phenomenal tyler bait's fucking great come on get, get the catchphrase in big strong boy <laughs> i everything tyler bait does I, i'm absolutely enamored with i mean he's just he picked up Cameron Grimes with such ease, and that that guy's not a, a small dude. And you know, he he did a kip up, and he, I mean, he did a million other things. You know, dives and uh, yeah, suplexes he's and bigger dudes than Cameron Grimes, man. He is big, strong boy. He is, yeah, big, strong boy. And and yeah. and what what's crazy is how young is he? He's like he's like our age, twenty one now. No, he's twenty one. He was nineteen when he won the UK title. I, what was or, that like two three years ago? Uh, two years ago, I think. Jesus, maybe three. He's I mean, twenty-one or twenty-two. He's in his early twenties, and it's just incredible because he's so good already. This guy is gonna have, uh, barring any injuries, he's gonna have a decades-long career. And he, if he know, was six inches taller, he might already be on like a Raw or SmackDown. Well, I mean, maybe that's a good thing that he's not six inches taller then. Well, even so, like I feel like. Just in general, like, he would just be even more of a bigger star, but maybe that's a part of the appeal because, you know, 
<laughs> what did you say, big strong boy or whatever? Yep. So it makes sense. I mean, so the match ended with Killian Dane <laughs> distracting uh, Tyler Bate, and Grimes hit. I think they called it a Cayman. I'm not sure exactly what it was, but he got the pin. And then Dane attacked Dunn afterwards, and he, he laid him out, and then he, you know, did like a senton into the stairs. Uh, and then, he, you know, he got in his face, and the camera got it, and he said, you tell your friend Pete Dunn we have unfinished business, which that's why I think that you're kind of right about the Dane-Grimes angle uh, together. I, I, would, I would be down for that match, and I mean, I don't think anyone's going to complain about seeing uh, Pete Dunn and Tyler Bate team up. No. And maybe they can even bring in a... The third guy? Trent yeah, Seven? British strong style at Trent Seven. So, yeah. I don't know who else you'd add to it, but... Yeah, I mean... I'm all I'm all for seeing a, a tag match, a singles match. Anything that really has Pete done on my screen. Absolutely. So then after that, that's when Kathy Kelly made the announcement that Shane and Rhea were going to be team captains. And then we went to the main event. Uh, this one went 14 minutes. It was Matt Riddle and Keith Lee against the Undisputed Era. And at the beginning of this match, it was all Riddle and Lee. I mean, you had I, this crowd is is so. I mean, I know it's a small crowd. And the one complaint I do have about Full Sail, I don't think it's as low rent as a lot of people have said it is. But you can tell. Um, when there's like little lapses, you know, the crowd maybe gets tired towards the end. Um, and if someone's not, if, if they're all not cheering, it sounds very quiet. And at certain points I was like, wow, it's very quiet in there. And that's just not something you would get in a 10,000 seat building. So I do think that NXT is going to have to go on the road. But the, th- the positive about the crowd is that they come up with some of the best stuff. They were doing the, oh, Baskin is glory. But in, in addition to that, they were doing it, and then after they hit the bask in his glory, they'd go, bro! Yeah, it's like an ending show for them. Yeah, so you just had back and sure. forth, bask in his glory, I'm not going to make this up. I went bro. to an Evolve show, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure Keith Lee and uh, Riddle either faced off or they teamed up, and the crowd was doing that exact chant in uh, Michigan somewhere. I'm sure. I, I, yeah, I, I, they've definitely faced off in the indies. Uh, a bunch of times. No, in Evolve. Oh, in Evolve. Yeah, it was an Evolve show. I'm pretty sure. I can't remember if they were teaming together or facing off. And it was one of Keith Lee's last Evolve matches before going to NXT. Mm. And I'm pretty sure it was like that way you just said, Oh, bask in my glory, bro. <laughs> so, yeah. Such a good chance. First time. Such a good chance. But, okay, so eventually, you know, Undisputed Era started to get back in it. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, I mean, they're they're excellent. You know, I, I, I get the two mixed up, uh, I'll be honest, but uh, one of them is really proficient in MMA, um, and, and he does all these submission attempts and stuff like that, and, and to see Riddle and yeah. Lee power yeah. out of them and just pick them up because they're bigger guys, you know what I mean? It yeah, feels O'Reilly very real. Up, said. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Fish is the one with the uh, goatee and like the side hair cut off. Mm, okay, so that's how you can kind of. And O'Reilly's more of the MMA style submission. So it was yeah. So it was O'Reilly that I'm talking about who was doing the arm bars and the knee bars and things like that. I just really enjoy all of that yep. because Riddle has his own MMA background and 
Keith Lee is just a big guy, so that stuff doesn't work on him. He picks him up and slams him. I liked all of that. Um, How did you feel about the ending of this? Okay, so Roddy and Adam Cole came out, ran interference. Undisputed Era got the pin. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, I know it was to build up war games because Ciampa came out afterwards, and he, he looked at Goldie and he said, you know, Goldie, you're going to have to wait. And the crowd got sad for a second. But then he said, Daddy's going to war. And then they popped real huge. So I, I know that it all worked. But I, do you think the interference is a little too much? Yeah, most situations I would say yes. But this situation I would say no because there was the, they had the goal, which was, you know, making war games pretty much official. So they got a lot more story to tell. Hopefully there's – some matches leading up to it, maybe, you know, uh, O'Reilly versus a champ in a singles match or, you know, Keith Lee versus an Adam, Adam Cole, you know, they got so many options. Hopefully they give us some of those singles matches and keep building this up because there's going to be some crazy shit that happens in that one. Absolutely. <laughs> there's, no, there's no question about it. And that pretty much wraps up NXT, but for me, I thought this was probably one of the best NXT shows uh, that they've done since they've moved to USA, uh, barring the first couple of episodes. The first one where they went head-to-head with AEW, that was kind of like a takeover. Yeah. That one was really good, but I think this might have been my favorite one other than that. I thought last week was really good. Last week was very good too, but I put this one just slightly above it. Yeah, maybe I'm. I don't really have them ranked like off the top of my head, but there hasn't been a bad one yet. That's all I can say. I mean, <laughs> well, I I, them all. Yeah, and you, you know, we. I guess we don't have to talk about ratings, but NXT hasn't been doing great. Um, I can't really give you a reason for it. I mean, plenty of people have their reasons, but. I guess with the World Series going head-to-head with both of these shows, we're probably going to see a downtick. I would say that 10 12% down is an okay number, but if we're getting to 15 or 20% down, it's concerning. Um, and, of course, that we're going to have to look at the demographics. But I'll post my analysis of that tomorrow. And if you follow us it on Twitter, at MSE Pro Wrestling. What was that? So it also hurts that it was a Game 7. Yeah, I mean, because the other World Series games are drawing like 11, 12 million, a little more than 12 million. I have a feeling this one's going to be like 15 or 16 or something stupid. So it could really hurt the ratings. But, uh, you know, I'll take a look at that and I'll post it uh, on Twitter tomorrow uh, when they come out around 4.30 at MSC Pro Wrestling. um, Right after, actually, Crown Jewel. Other, Other Tigers fans, it's okay. We feel your sadness as well. Congrats yes. to all the former Tigers on winning a ring, specifically. Yeah, if Annabelle you, if Sanchez you, and Matt Scherzer. Yeah, if you don't know what uh, Dustin's talking about, we are big Detroit Tigers fans. Sorry. And uh, I think in the past three years, there's been about a dozen former Tigers that have won a World Series in a different uniform. And, well, that's just depressing as hell for us. <laughs> I'm happy for him. I mean, the, the whole entire 2014 pitching staff. World Series champs. Well, you would have liked to see him get it with the Tigers, but we'll stick to wrestling for the rest of the night. Let's move on to AEW Dynamite. AEW, they opened, you know, they kind of tweeted something before it and said, like, you know, make sure that you see the opening because there's going to be a thing. And they, you know, they they showed Moxley go into a room. 
with Tony Khan and TK was talking to him and saying we're you know we we can't sanction we're gonna do a lights out match we're gonna do unsanctioned and you know Moxley was saying this is bullshit fuck that all this you know so he was not happy. What are you MJF? You get to call him TK? What? Yeah. <laughs> no. And yeah, it was a cool little segment. And then they did the Tony Schiavone and Cody deal. Uh, you know, they, I I was kind of confused because I think I missed the first like second of it. Um, but they were heading to the they were like getting off a plane and they you know he hugged Dustin and all of that. Cody did, and then Shivani and Cody got in a limo and started driving to the uh, to the arena. Um, and you know this kind of played out throughout the night. Uh, Shivani told a story about one time with like Dusty and Willie Nelson and. Dusty, you know, Shivani said, come on, we got to go. And Dusty said, is Willie there already? And he said, yeah. Dusty said, good. You know, you always, if you're the star, you always want to be the last one in. Keep them waiting. So that was kind of the, the reasoning behind all of that. So Jericho was already there. They're going to keep them waiting. So uh, I kind of like that little angle, but that also meant that Shivani wasn't on commentary for the first couple of matches, right? Yeah. yeah I don't know if he joined until, what, the second hour? Yeah, I think I think it was a. I mean, I assume it was right after that uh, contract signing. But let's talk about the announced team because we kind of differ here. What's your problem with Jr.? I'm sick of him. He sounds like an old hater who just cries about everything, like just bitching and whining and oh, they do this in my day. Well, guess what, motherfucker? It ain't your day anymore. <laughs> you go on your podcast. You rant about everybody else. You worry about. What Seth Rollins has to say. You worry about what Flip, the Lucha Bros just did or whatever. Just call it and be entertaining like you have been for 30 freaking years. Come on. It's unreal. It's just, oh, I mean, like, I, I get it. But he's like, everyone says he has to hook the leg, but he says it and just such a disdain. It's like, stop being pissed off because they're young guys. Seriously. I, I mean, can just feel I, the disdain. And he's supposed to be like this high-energy babyface commentator. And I can just feel the disdain in his voice. When, well, that's what happens when you don't grab the rope on the string hanging from the apron. That's like, come on, dude. Yeah, I mean, I, I see where you're coming from. But I think a lot of people actually like that about JR. And they, you know, I, I think that... I like it if he didn't sound whiny. Well, I, I think the appeal to me is that he doesn't sound scripted. You know, everything that... Michael Cole says on SmackDown just feels like Vince McMahon is saying, you got to say this, goddammit. And it's like, you know, JR, as annoying as it might be, he sounds real. And I appreciate Maybe JR needs that to be (laughs) his best self. Yeah. Because he sure in the hell didn't do a good job in New Japan. And he sure in the hell isn't doing a good job, in my opinion, right now. So maybe he needs good old Vinny and Mac telling him to wear a cowboy hat in his ear saying, come on, goddammit. Maybe he needs that. Yeah, you could be right. First match of the <laughs> night, <laughs> Hangman and Sammy Guevara went eight minutes. They traded in the beginning. Uh, they both kind of hit a kip up. You know, Hangman hit the hit it to kind of show off and say, I can do exactly what you can do, Guevara. You know, you're not that impressive. Um, one thing that really stuck out to me was both guys were super over. You know, Hangman was the mega baby face and uh, Guevara was the mega heel. And if you look back at that first week, uh, you know, Guevara was relatively unknown, and as good as these AEW crowds are, I think that this one was the best one we've seen 
since the show started because they knew exactly how these guys were supposed to be over and they made sure that they looked over like that. Yeah. The, the AEW crowd, you've been to events. I've been to a couple of AEW events myself and everyone just goes nuts and it's like, it's like a party, so it's a great time, and it translates through the TV when you rewatch it, and when you watch a live show, and the fans are going to get their guys over, and they're going to boo the bad guys and cheer the good guys, which is what wrestling should be at the end of the day. For sure. Page, as <laughs> promised, won with his buckshot lariat. He said he had a, you know, a good one for him, and he sure as hell laid him out with that lariat. And I thought this was a really fun match to open the show. Yeah, it was solid. I think you tweeted it was eight minutes, and they did a good job. I mean, I don't know. I just, over the past, most of uh, Hangman's AEW matches just haven't reached a certain level that I expect from him yet. Maybe, I don't know what it is, quite frankly, but I'm sure he's going to get there. Um, and then, okay, so we had a debut, right? Her name was Shanna, I believe. She They, they said she was from France, uh, but she's Portuguese. And I believe she worked like a year in maybe Impact or something like that. Um, and then she worked for, I think, Stardom. Okay. So I, I didn't know who she was. Um, and she faced Takara Shida, who finally got on television. Um, I was a little confused. Uh, whether or not Hikaru Shida was a heel or a babyface because in the middle of the match she got a chair and she didn't hit her with the chair but she set it up and she used it to kind of jump off and hit a running knee which was a really cool spot but I thought that was kind of heelish but actually one of our followers on Twitter or Jeff Hardy-ish yeah one of our followers explained that uh, in in the other promotion that Shida used to wrestle in she had a kendo stick and she still is a babyface so the crowd certainly knew what was going on maybe I didn't but for me, no, Shanna and Sheeta was was probably the weakest match of the night, and I would have liked to see maybe Hangman and Guevara go this eleven minutes, and Shanna and Sheeta go the eight minutes. Yeah, I mean, I really didn't get into it. I tried watching early on. I was watching both at the same time because, you know, I felt like that was the thing to do. But then, you know, technical difficulties, so. Anyways, the Balor promo was going on during this match, and I feel like it kind of stole my attention, but they did some good stuff. Uh, Hopefully, they just keep improving this division, and these girls can eventually become standouts of it. I'm sure they will, and we'll talk about the dark matches uh, after this, because they had some other good women on here, uh, too. Yeah. But, you know, uh, Sheeta won with another knee. I, I think they kind of botched the finish and had to redo it. So, for me, like I said, this was definitely the weakest match on the show. I could could have done without it. Um, and I could have done without this next thing, too, the Brandy video. Yeah, I actually probably missed that, but I've seen photos of her, uh, what was it, like drooling or something? Or had something... I don't know. It was weird. I had a hard time keeping yeah. my attention to it. I mean, she's she's still with Awesome Kong, so that that's nice. You know, maybe we'll see that. But so, I don't know. What, whatever they're doing she's with Brandy over the past couple of weeks. Couple of weeks she's... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's Sorry, just not been good. <laughs> um, nope, not 
but we'll see. You know, they they have time. They have time. Um, a- after that, we had the Rock and Roll Express, Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson, come out with the AEW tag team titles, and almost immediately, <laughs> Santana and Ortiz run out to attack them, and they beat them down. I still don't know which one's Santana and which one's Ortiz, but one of them had a loaded sock, and I. I, I think JR put it over and he's like, that's an old school weapon. And I just thought it was really funny because he's just beating him with a sock full of nickels, butter, whatever you want to say. Like, it was just. Yeah, I think uh, Excalibur said soap. Maybe it's soap, you know. <laughs> and but, then uh, the, the Young Bucks kind of came out for the save, but they didn't do anything to Santana and Ortiz, really. They just went to aid. Uh, the Rock and Roll Express. So I thought this was a cool way to have some legends on the show. They got a good pop, you know, especially because, um, in, you know, in Charleston, West Virginia, uh, they said that they won the tag team titles against... Uh, 33 years ago? Yeah. That they said? Yeah, a, a yeah. long time ago in the exact same building. So I thought that was a good thing. The crowd definitely... Look at they're still active wrestlers. Can you believe that? Yeah, weren't they just in... Uh, I think they did some New stuff Japan. with R- New Japan. They've done stuff with ROH, I think, or, or maybe NWA. Yeah, yeah. yeah so i mean hey it's they, they kind are... of a predictable angle but i think it made sense so sometimes like when predictable is okay if it does make sense in my opinion so i didn't mind it and it made sense for them to attack the legends and be the nasty heel tag team that they uh or try or you know are and uh for them to pick up the tag team belts the overshot he didn't really it was foreshadowing of this main event, you know, tonight when SCU, you know. So I could see them potentially being the challenge, like uh, Santana Ortiz being the challengers for SCU. And maybe eventually they take those belts and they feud with the Young Bucks longer. I don't know what their whole plan is, but just they're going to be going for the gold, obviously. So then we went back to another uh, Tony and Shiva- Tony Schiavone and Cody thing. This was when they were in the limo. They talked about Dusty and Willie Nelson. Cody talked about his mom being there, and he said, as silly as it is, the thing that he was focusing the most on was you know wanting to impress her and things like that. Um, and I just think that I-, I know you're not sold on Cody, but I really do think that everything he does is just getting him over as one of the best baby faces in all of wrestling. Yeah, they're trying to push him as a real man kind of like a man's man a As family man kid. Uh, a son of a plumber you know <laughs> yeah i mean he, yeah. he for me he's like the all-american you know all-american boy yeah. he's just you know the classic baby face story i think that you want to see but i actually don't think he's gonna win so um we'll get to that when we talk about the contract signing but then we had I you know I totally forgot about this match. John Silver, Alex Reynolds, and QT Marshall. They didn't even have an entrance, so that's never a good sign. And this is where we had the are Rick and Morty the, crossover. Are those the guys from PWG or whatever from last week? Yeah, or the week before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and, gotcha. And, and they did the six man tag against the best friends in Orange Cassidy. Um, Rick this is his first match. Sorry, what? I keep cutting you off. No, no, no. Orange yeah, Cassidy. yeah. It was Orange Cassidy's first match on AEW television. That's what I thought, too. Okay, not bad, not bad. But what do you think about – I mean, I don't know if you had the sound on for it or you watched it later, <laughs> I know that. But um, the, they did a Rick and Morty entrance, so Morty's voice was there and Rick's voice was there. And then uh, two of them came out. Trent Trent was dressed as Morty and the other two were dressed as Rick. Um, I, I thought this was yeah. kind of stupid. <laughs> 
Yeah. Like, don't they have like a deal with them or something? So I guess it's free publicity, I guess, both ways. But yeah, yeah. I think that I think I think Turner, uh, you know, owns Cartoon Network, Adult Swim. So that was the tie-in there. Actually, if you looked at the ring post, they had the like green portal from Rick and Morty. Yeah, I see that. I also noticed those, and I don't like that. I feel like they should just be green, say W, or just be wrestling or just playing like i don't know yeah it was i thought the crossover stuff was very very odd like i just actually listened to a part of a thing i don't know if it was bischoff or whatever but it was like halloween havoc they were talking oh no it was pritchard and they reviewed halloween havoc 98 Mm. and they talked about how snickers was on like the turnbuckles or whatever oh yeah but that's basically free advertising for 20 plus years for whoever goes back and watches that show. That's true. So it's, I don't know, just. Eh. I mean, that's why they do the deals, you know. But okay, so yeah. the, the big thing here, I mean, this was a short three-minute match. Um, the crowd loved Orange Cassidy. He did those slow He's kicks. Um, and then <laughs> and then over. he did the drop kick and the tope suicida with his hands in his pockets. He did the kip up with his hands in his pockets. Uh, the, you know, all, pretty much all of the Rick and Morty stuff came off of him. Uh, but you know, I, I don't know. I mean, how do you feel about these, these slow kicks? I just, I don't I like it. them on television. Really? I don't. I mean, I, I've been, when one person is doing it and he's the only one, I like it Yeah, because but I mean, it's not, it's not stupid. Cause you know, you can turn up anytime. It's like, yeah, think of it this way. It's, it's like Hulk Hogan hulking up, but, it, but it's completely different. Just the analogy of. From zero to one hundred. You know? Well, I'll t- I'll tell you that I'll tell you this much. Uh, the reason I didn't hate it was because he did do the drop kick, the su- the tope suicida, and the kick. Exactly. I mean, it shows that he can do more than that. And they really didn't sell the slow kicks. The guy just looked around like, "What the fuck is this?" Which I think everyone else was thinking. So they did kind of save it. But I think in the future, they really shouldn't just do the kicks. I think. You know, the crowd pops for them like, whoa, whoa. And if you're not familiar with Orange Cassidy, it's not going to make any sense to you. Yeah, I, I get that. I don't know. I just get, I just got this vibe that he could be the guy in three years that we look back on and we're like, damn, he was the one that broke out of all these mid-card star potential filled wrestlers so if the, if he, the build he has it if the build he is him it. like eventually he finds someone who he needs to go full force on i'm into it yeah they gotta do that i mean it's so easy i mean you keep him with the best friends for however long you have to but i mean he has it like i don't even know what else to say like People pop whenever he shows up. He there's just there's just a vibe about him where he could be something special if they do it right. Yeah, while it's not my cup of tea, I understand that it is over and uh, the majority of people are enjoying it. So I'm not gonna sit here and bitch and tell you that my opinion is the best opinion. I just personally it didn't work for me, but it worked for plenty of others. So I can't be that mad at it. Uh, then we as have... long as it's like you said though, as long as they mix it up and they add in these little details here and there, and 
they tell a story, you won't be mad in six months, a year or two, depending on what they do. But if they just keep doing the same shtick and not advancing any story, then more people feel the way you do. Exactly. After that, we had the contract signing. Jericho came out with his hair was like, you know, it was like a flat ironed or whatever. Uh, he had a purple. It was like Donald Trump, but longer. Yeah, it was long Donald Trump hair, and he uh, he had he had a purple blazer on with pumpkins all over it, and like, I'm like, what a goofy... it on. I, dude, the man can rock anything. I mean, <laughs> anyone else goofy as fuck, but yep. Jericho just owned it, and I mean, he looked awesome, and. I mean, as far as promos go, you know, him on the mic is just absolutely phenomenal. You know, he he know he called he called the crowd millennials, and then he called them hillbillies. Which, like, if you think about it, I mean, I guess there are millennial hillbillies, but I feel like the two kind of contradict. But you know, the crowd bo- booed him twice. So. In my hometown. <laughs> I mean, he is just phenomenal. Oh, so. Yeah, I mean, he did a kick-ass job. I mean, his best role is the promo, I would say, at this point in his career. And you could even argue that earlier on just because he's so damn good at it. I mean, he's definitely reached a level on that mic that very few, if hardly anyone ever can say they have The Rock, you know, guys like that. So it's nice to see him keep building up the story and, you know, pushing things forward. But I still don't give a damn about that match. I just, I gotta, I, just I, I gotta tell you, I think you're in the minority. A lot of people are I know I very am. excited. I know I am. I just don't care. Hey, I mean, hopefully they can get I just it. Don't think it's gonna be good. Well, there's I gotta be don't. other people like you. You know what I mean? There's gotta be other people who haven't bought in. So hopefully they recognize that and they can do something that'll get you hooked. They have another show before this pay-per-view. So I, you know, I got faith. Maybe next week the angle is going to be really hot. They ended up signing the contracts this week, and then, uh, yeah, then they did the whole beatdown with the inner circle backstage. Sammy Guevara can't kind of came up. Wait, before we move on to that real quick, because just to talk about the match itself coming up, what do you think about that? Uh, if it goes sixty minutes, there's three judges rule. I think it sucks. Yeah, Personally. I, I know you. You tweeted out that you thought it was stupid. Like, I feels like they're trying to be too cute. Like you don't need to be so cute. It's like having all. It's like uh, can't Moxley and uh, Omega just have a wrestling match? Like Moxley said, do we really need another like the the fourth uh, hardcore match out of what twelve shows? I mean, eh, I don't know. I feel like they're just trying to be too cute. I like the I like the idea, and when you you know go back to the judges and stuff, I don't think that match is going sixty. I can't imagine Jericho's going to work a sixty minute match, and Cody's really not the guy to work a sixty minute match either. I don't know if they should work more than twenty. No, that's my problem with this whole thing. They they probably should only go twenty minutes, and I feel like they're going to go at least thirty, just because of that rule. But for Cody's best matches, I would say, besides, you know, his match with Dustin are probably 15, 20 minutes. Jericho at this point in his career, 15, 20. So we'll see what they do. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I just definitely don't think it's going to go the full 60. I think this is something that they're going to do for the championship. Uh, you know, it's kind of an NWA type deal. I know WCW mm-hmm. did it once or a couple times and it just didn't work. But I think that, uh, you know, 
you you put it out there at the beginning and you know you just keep doing it for the title matches and stuff and then a year a year and a half it comes into play and everyone's like oh shit this is real so i you know i'm not a big fan of judges in wrestling but you know i get what they're trying to do it might seem a bit odd to a lot of people but i don't think it's the worst thing in the world no it's not but like i said i just i just get that vibe of overthinking and overdoing but like i said we'll see where how they use it and where they go with it so then we had the sammy guevara came up on the big screen and you know he pointed to the camera towards hager who was attacking attacking dustin and of course hager if you guys didn't see the last bellator show his match uh ended in a no contest because he delivered a low blow the guy couldn't recover from it um and you kind of knew they were going to work that in so you know, he, he put the knee right to Dustin's uh, crotch. Dustin went down. He smashed his arm in the limo door. Cody and MJF came out there. Um, but the inner circle was already in, like, a, a van, and they were getting out of Dodge. So I like this. You know, it just seems like the inner circle has the upper hand. And I think that there could be a longer story at play because I like the faction-on-faction deal. Yeah, uh, AEW's done a really good job with the uh... – Backstage segments, like, mm-hmm. uh, what was it? You talk I mean, about that brawl, week, yeah, yeah, the brawl, like this week, you know, the plane and the, you know, like the takeoff at the end, like you said. So they've they've been doing a good job with these segments, and hopefully they can make that a strength of their brand because they got a lot of funny and creative guys, you know. Like Moxley, you know, like when he went to talk to your guy, TK. <laughs> no, yeah, I think everything that they do backstage or, you know, the non-in-ring stuff is all very well done. It definitely seems a lot more real to me than the WWE main roster stuff. Um, NXT yeah. does their fair share uh, of it, but, you know, it's really more focused on the in-ring stuff. And, you know, I, I appreciate the difference between the two shows because if they were too similar, you know, it would feel... It would feel worse somehow. Yeah. It's weird. Like, I'm getting this, like, vibe from Cody that he, like, wants to be, like, baby face, like, Triple H, but, like, evolution. I don't know. It's like that flip-flop of evolution. Like, these are the vibes I'm getting. Like, wearing a suit. Like, that's what he does. But I don't know. I just feel like, like the boss, you know. I don't think they should overplay that that the VP story. I don't know how you Well, somehow that. I think that they're going to do something with him being, you know, an executive vice president and I think that he's going to like shed the title or something at some point cuz it's they've mentioned it a couple times and it does seem to be interfering with with it all. So I just wonder how that's all going to play out, but we have another week until the pay-per-view and obviously we have months, hopefully years more of television. So you know, this is mm-hmm. all a longer story, a bigger thing. So, you know, we we only have what is this? Five weeks under our belt. It's crazy. <laughs> it's just only five weeks. But we're this interested in it, so that that does mean that absolutely. it's working to a degree. No, it absolutely is. I'm, I'm just ranting. I don't even know what I'm trying to <laughs> say. It's just he's done. He's done a good job. Like, I'm just looking forward to his future matches and I mean I enjoyed the Darby Allen match I 
love seeing that him versus Dustin live and I'm just not 100% sold somehow still on his work and mixing with Jericho so I just hope that match gets the job done and delivers because I just I'm not feeling it I, I have faith that it will deliver after that uh, backstage angle, we had Angelico and Jack Evans, who they're calling Hybrid Two. I, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know where that came from. I mean, maybe that's what they've been called. I know that they've worked together in like Triple uh, A, but I thought that was kind of a weird name. They, they, they teamed up with Kip Sabian against the Elite Kenny Omega and Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks, and this was a, this was a good. All the matches are short on these shows. You know, we didn't have a twenty-four minute match like the Kabuki Warriors match. This was a. 12 minutes, but damn, I I thought this was a really good match. I thought Kenny Omega looked like a superstar. He looked like they introduced him as the uh, AAA Mega Campion, so, you know, because he has the title in AAA. Mm -hmm. Um, I just thought he looked really good. I thought the Bucks kind of took a back seat to Kenny, but in in a good way, and they all worked together really well, and, you know, they, they got the win. And it was a fun match. Jack Evans did some incredible flippy stuff. I just don't, I, I, I just don't understand how a human can do those sorts of things. But uh, you know, if nothing else, AEW has a plethora of guys who can bounce off the ropes or jump off the ropes and just. Did Kip Sapien already start turning heel? I suppose. I mean, he was he was definitely working heel in this match. So. Yeah. Ab- after the match, we had uh, the Young Bucks were celebrating with the fans, right? So, <laughs> so a- after the win, Young Bucks are, are there, and then they they like you know are high fiving people, and one of the fans won't let go. He's got a Rick mask on. The guy next to him has a Morty mask on, which I thought was a good way to play into the everyone has mask stuff, and it kind of makes sense why they handed all those out because they wanted to uh, disguise the the inner circle, Santana and Ortiz. Um, and then mm-hmm. they they attacked the Young Bucks, which kind of plays into that angle that they did earlier in the show with the Rock and Roll Express. And I thought this was all uh, very well done. Um, one of the funnier parts was while Nick and Matt were getting beat down, there was just this lady trying to desperately get a selfie with Nick. And I, I think she's a, a, a true hero. <laughs> Make it happen. I mean, they do enough meet and greets. Come on, lady. <laughs> true, true. They do do enough meet and greets. Um, but I, I, that was probably my second favorite match on the show. Um, and then we had probably my favorite moment on the show. Peter Avalon and Leva, Bate came, Leva Bates came out, the librarians. Uh, Peter's been doing all the talking, and he's very unlikable. I think uh, JR even said it on commentary. This guy's really easy to not like. Um, and I just thought that he had about five seconds of talking time and then Moxley just walked through the crowd. The crowd erupted, you know, he DDT'd Avalon and then he delivered the promo of all promos for me. I mean, as good as that Balor promo was today, as good as the Jericho promo was today, I thought Moxley took the cake. I mean, you know, I I tweeted this. Yeah, he's walking back and forth and looking like he's twitching and his hair is all messed up and... He's just, you can tell he's getting into it and like his veins are popping. Like he gets, he's really he spits good. on the camera because he's so animated. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I tweeted this, but can you believe that John Moxley and Dean Ambrose are the same person? 
Yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean, though. I see it. But... It's like, could you imagine him delivering a promo like this? Can you imagine WWE? Dean Ambrose saying this line of, I am the baddest son of a bitch in this cage. I am the sickest son of a bitch in this cage. And there isn't a person in the back that's going to prove me wrong. No, he would never say that in WWE, and that's my point, is that he just, you know, there's something to be said about not scripting every single thing that these guys go out there and say. Give them a couple bullet points. Let them know what they have to hit. If they're good on the mic, they're going to do a phenomenal job, and Moxley proved that tonight. And I think, uh, you know, this should be be promo class 101 for anyone in AEW who's still – learning to get their voice. I mean, Moxley, having a guy like that on the roster and a guy like Chris Jericho, I mean, there's not better guys to learn from. They're they're real. You know, they say the best wrestlers are themselves turned up to 11. And that's exactly what these guys are doing. They are killing the game. Yeah, 100% agree there. Uh, Peter Avalon was actually actually on uh, Jericho's podcast about a week ago and if you think he's an idiot because of this character, I mean, he's pretty entertaining on the podcast. So I just recommend that for people if you want to get behind the librarian. <laughs> and I think it was clever because everyone hates the librarians and they, they don't like the gimmick. But as soon as Moxley came out, I mean, they were just so happy because they knew he was going to beat the shit out yeah. of him. So really well done segment there. And that was probably, I think that was my favorite moment of the night, if I'm being honest. Yeah, it was really good. Looking forward to like to this for the match, obviously between him and Omega. But I kind of just want to move on from each other at this point because <laughs> so I really wanted to see that match at all out. And then obviously Moxley had his health issues, and they pushed it along. And of course they had to, and it's been a really good build. But I just want to see the match, and I kind of just want to move on from each other for a little bit. <laughs> well, he made a big deal about the whole wins and losses mattering, but when you do these unsanctioned matches, they don't count, so it's like the match never happened, and he brings up a good point. So I think next mm-hmm. week we're going to get something that makes the match legitimate and count, but it's still going to be, you know, he said that uh, Kenny Omega's blood is going to be on the Turner execs and the AEW, you know, higher-ups. It's going to be on their hands. So I think you see it is- turn into like a... Sorry, can you see it turn into like a Iron Man match or something like a like a hmm. like a thirty minute Iron Man match or, or something like that, or like Maybe a Last like Man a... Standing or something like that? I I I was thinking like they turn it into like wrestling, like fuck hardcore. I want this win loss to matter. I want to get the win. I want it to count on my record. So we're gonna make this about wrestling. I can totally but, see that. It, it seems like they, like they, they do want the, the win. Like they have their weapons, you know, like the broom and the bat and all that shit. But when it gets time, it's wrestling. Yeah. I, I think we are going to see something next week that leads to the match counting. Um, however they do yeah. it, I'm sure it'll be good. I just think that, uh, you know, this, especially with the World Series, it felt like a lot of this show, other than the main event, was kind of building up to whatever is going to happen next week. And next week's the go-home show. So it kind of makes yeah. sense. And, you know, we talked a little bit about ratings. So, you know, we'll have to see how this does. And, and, and I'm sure... I. I'm almost positive that they're going to do well next week. They're either going to gain. I mean, I almost I almost guarantee they're going to gain because they're going to lose some from this week with the competition. So 
we'll have to see how mm-hmm. it all plays out. But I think they're doing a good job, uh, kind of like NXT, doing the slow build. But, you know, it's their first time putting together television, a lot of these guys. They have some help from guys who've done it before. But for the most part, uh, you know, they're making this show happen when it wasn't their job over the past couple of years to make anything but their matches happen. So uh, there's going to be some kinks to iron out. But I do like the storytelling that they're doing here because unlike the WWE WWE main roster, it makes sense to me. So that's that's enough on the Moxley promo. Let's talk about this main event. Uh, the AEW inaugural tag team champions, SCU, defeated the Lucha Brothers. Uh, as much as I love the Lucha Brothers, I thought this was the right call to put the belts on SCU. Were you surprised to have to see Daniels? Um, I thought he was going to pop up at the end or actually like take Scorpio Sky's spot maybe. But like uh, Sky looks like he's going to be... A world championship contender in the next year or two. Like he's 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 go. really good and really over. So I I would not be surprised if that were the case. I, I'm not shocked that Daniels wasn't there because I think they don't want to like you know they don't want to tell you he's injured and he's going to be out for a while and then have him come back because that would be like lying to you. You know what I mean? And I think that's mm-hmm. one of those things that they're trying to learn from WWE. Um, because it, it you know it kind of insults the fans' intelligence and things like that. Um, but I. Yeah, the finish was a little flat here, but I mean, oh man, there was a couple one... of botches in there. Well, that's gonna happen when these guys are flipping. Well, all I know, the but like Kazarian, he's not a young fellow, man. He was showing it at the end. <laughs> you he was laboring he was out there. I, I think he took a nasty bump, and and, and he, he, it, it didn't look great. But you know, they got through the match, and it was only twelve minutes, twelve and a half minutes, which. I think is a little short, you know, whenever I see these championship matches at the end of the AEW shows, and there's only like 10, 15 minutes left, I'm like, could you give it a little more time, you know? Especially when it's your first ever tag team champions. But I did like that there was a clean finish in this match. Um, yeah. My, my favorite moment came when Ray Not Phoenix... Ray, yeah, it was on a it was on a roll-up, which Schoolboy. they made note of on commentary, so I, yep. I mean... I'm not sure I'm not sure what the reasoning is behind that, but they did say a wrestling move finishes at the end of this because uh, Ray Phoenix was doing all these crazy things and at one point he like did like a double jump off of the ropes and I literally jumped out of my seat and just started running around. Like I was like, Oh my god, these guys are insane, they're incredible. Uh, I'm a noted Pentagon mark, uh, but I think Phoenix is slowly inching his way above Pentagon in my eyes. Yeah, I feel like for like uh, you and I, like we've seen more Pence again than we have Phoenix. And but like when people start seeing Phoenix just as much, I feel like they start leaning towards Phoenix more. You know what I'm saying? I, like, Phoenix is the better wrestler, but yeah. the better in ring worker. But Pentagon has the charisma and he does the power moves and all of that. And. Oh. He's been my favorite for a long time, probably since uh, Joey Janela's Spring Break 2 when I got to see him live for the first time. I saw him a couple times in Impact. Did, did you ever watch Lucha Underground? Oh, yeah. I watched the first three seasons pretty re- religiously back in the mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was him, Prince Puma, fucking a lot of the people that are on the AEW roster, actually. On that show, so 
But anyways, the tag main event was it was solid. It did the job. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing SCU hopefully hold the belts for a couple months, give them, drop them to the hottest heel tag team, whether that is the Lucha Bros or Santana and Ortiz or Dark Order. <laughs> yeah, Dark right. Order. Right. Oh, my God. I know I say, I say that with sarcasm. But, yeah, <laughs> they, they did a good job of getting the Dark Order out of there. They realized they weren't over, and they gave them the buy so they didn't have to work multiple weeks, and then they, you know, lost <laughs> their match. I, I I think that was that was smart uh, to do. But that was pretty much AEW. I thought it was a good show. Um, I, I heard some people say that it was the weakest show yet. I don't think so. I thought it was a very strong show, other than the women's match. Um, and the little Brandy segment, obviously NXT had the better, uh, has the better women's division as we talked about. Um, but I, it might I have did... been the least special show. Yeah. Like moment, moments wise. I mean, it sounds like just talking it through that probably only the Moxley promo and crowning new champs, I guess. Uh, well, like, I, I, I did like really the contract signing moment more. and I like the, okay. I like the opener more than you did. The opener was the uh, oh yeah hangman uh, and Guevara. Yeah, eh. I just felt like it was good, solid opening match. Probably like what three stars is watchable. That's probably what it was. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I'd give it three, maybe a little less. Honestly, two seven five. Yeah, two, probably five. a little less. Yeah, <laughs> two and a half, whatever. I don't know. But um, Just so watchable. yeah, that was that was AEW. So let's go ahead and do our weekly voting. Um. Which one? Which one are you giving the win to this week? NXT or AEW? Hmm. Kind of lean NXT, probably. Honestly, like I like how the all the females were featured and they did a good job establishing the two War Games matches and Balor's promo. That wasn't the best of the night, obviously, but I feel like with the other stuff. With that put in there, and then matches, yeah, it's clean NXT. Yeah, I think both shows were really good. They were two of the better shows that I've got gotten a chance to see this year. And fortunately, they were in the same night. So I mean, as much as you know, four and a half, four hours and fifteen minutes of wrestling can be laborious, you know, uh, especially when you're talking uh, like Raw or a WWE pay per view. Sometimes you know those third and fourth hours tend to really, really drag. None of this drag for me, and I watched NXT second, so for me, I have to lean NXT, which, I, you know, traditionally, I've been going AEW when it's this close, but for me, I look back at NXT, and there wasn't a bad thing on the card, and mm-hmm. even that four-minute Bronson Reed match was really good, so I think that AEW still has a little bit of refining, too, but I'm going to go ahead and give my first pick um, to NXT, finally. Yeah, it's kind of hard to remember the past couple of weeks. <laughs> I think this is the. I think I've given AEW the win every week except this one. So you know, if really? you want to call me biased, I'm well, not. <laughs> I, might been, I might have been the opposite. Besides week three for AEW. Well, this is why we're podcast partners. You see. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying I might lean NXT for one, two, and four and five, but. It's kind of hard to remember everything off the top of my head. It might even have been AEW last week for me. Anyways, you want to 
quickly run over the card going on tomorrow or no? The crown jewel card? Sure. We got uh we got a little bit of time. We can we can do uh, it's just it's, it's... Get it done. Oh wait, I forgot to tell you guys what you should be expecting on AW Dark. So the uh, uh-huh. the dark matches were I won't tell you who won. I'll just let you know so you guys can watch on Tuesday. But we have Sean Spears versus Michael Nakazawa. If you can't figure out who won that one, I feel sorry for you. Ooh. Michael Nakazawa. We had Big Swole Maybe. and Mercedes Martinez <laughs> versus Allie and Sadie Gibbs. And I heard that this was a really fun match to be in the crowd. I don't know how fun it was to watch. But I know, uh, I you know, I had a friend that was in the crowd tonight, and they were kind of giving me a report uh, during the show, and they just said that this was a really fun match to be in the middle of. And there was also uh, Jurassic Express versus Jimmy Havoc and Joey Janela. Of course, uh, Jurassic Express being Marco Stunt and Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus is still out with that, uh, I think it's a torn hamstring? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what it was. You said Joey Janela and who? Joey Janela and Jimmy Havoc. Ooh. I have to watch that one. That's pretty good. Yeah, and then... Uh, yeah, and there's a good GCW chant during that one. So, uh, by all accounts, this was uh, a f- this is going to be a fun AEW Dark, uh, from what I've been told. Not that any AEW Dark has been particularly uh, bad. I think they've all been pretty fun. And, of course, when you have NWA Power and Impact being as good as they were this week, I mean... You know, Tuesday is just going to be phenomenal next week, I think. So we have something you to look forward to. You watched either of those shows? Uh, yeah, I watched. Um, I watched the main event from uh, Impact, and then I watched NWA Power. Did you watch Power? I did not get a chance to. How was the main event of Impact? Really good. Brian Cage and Sammy Callahan. If you haven't watched it, uh, Sammy Callahan's your new Impact champion. Steel Cage match. Um, I'm a big fan of both those guys. I know that Cage has had his fair share of injuries. I know he really messed up his back a couple of months ago, so I think it's good for him to take this time off, and I think Callahan building towards a Tessa Blanchard uh, match. That's what which, I was you about. Yeah, and, and I really I really love Tessa Blanchard. You know, she's she's we've talked about great women wrestlers, you know, pretty much all hour. I think that she's one of the best ones in the business right now, so uh, I think she's going to get a chance and potentially will hold the Impact World Championship, which, you know, I know a lot of people were mad that she didn't win the ladder match at Bound for Glory, and she's had a couple of other chances where she hasn't won, but I think this is, it's a long story. Like I said, in the long stories, when they play out, they feel good. So I'm really excited for when that does culminate. Yeah, she should definitely become the first ever female world heavyweight champion of that company or any major promotion pretty much right i can't really think of any other company so let's have the a female hold the men's world title so yeah tesla blanchard is amazing so all right let's run down let's run down crown jewel i'm gonna i'm gonna read off the match and you tell me who you think's gonna win we won't go into them too much but we'll give you a prediction for who we think's gonna win so let's start from the one that was announced today first ever women's wrestling match in saudi arabia um, I know a lot of people were mad at me for my take on Twitter that this isn't a big deal. Um, it's not not a big deal, okay? These are it's just a small step, okay? It's it's a big deal. Maybe that's not the right word you should use. Maybe you should have said it's not as significant as everyone wants to believe, but it's still a big deal. Well, it's but but I mean, 
You know what I mean? It's, it's a big it's, deal. Come on. It's a big. It's a bigger deal that you know Saudi Arabia has been a, treating women the way that they have. I know it's a different culture and all of that, but I just you know I, I don't think it's that significant when it's like oh great they did something that everyone else has done for like a long ass time. You know they've. I know they have like a combat sports movement uh, with women going on there and stuff. And, you know, with all the bad publicity that Saudi Arabia has gotten, why add one more thing and tell WWE you can't bring your women for their first like three or four shows? And then finally you give them one match. And you like, I'm okay with them being dressed, you know, like head to toe in like a bodysuit because I understand that you have to respect their culture. But I just think that for me, it could have come you sooner. You think that's what they were What? Because they're. You think that's why they were picked, uh, Lacey Evans and Natalia, because they're the two, like easiest to put in a bodysuit like that, based off current in-ring gear and Lacey's background in the military. Yeah, I mean, they kind of talked about, uh, you know, I don't know if you uh, follow Jonathan yeah. Snowden on. Oh no, sorry. Yeah, Jonathan Snowden on on Twitter. He's a real good follow. If you guys don't follow him already, so. He did an interview with Stephanie McMahon this morning, and, and I read it, and it was a really good interview. But one of the things oh, she was saying, report. yeah, the Bleacher Report guy, and yeah. one of the things he was that she was saying to him was that, uh, you know, Natalia is one of like you know, the legends of this business when you talk about women in WWE, and she's paid her dues, and there really isn't, you know, yep. a better liaison for that type of thing, and she's super respectful and things like that. And Lacey I don't Evans, know if you've seen the press conference. Sorry, I don't know if you've seen the press conference, but Michael Cole. Add on to that, basically said the same thing when he announced mm. the match this yeah. morning at like 4 a.m. And and Lacey so. Evans, as much as her character is about calling everyone nasty and all of that and everything, I mean, she it, her story when they talk about it on NXT when she was there and stuff, I mean, it, it, it's compelling. And you know she has a lot of respect. And I saw an interview with her today, and she's super humbled by this. So I think they're going to do a good job. And I hope the fan reaction is positive towards this, especially, you know, being in Saudi Arabia. Um, it, it's all right. I'll concede. It's a big moment, but it's not as big as everyone's saying it is. That's all. That's that's all I got. So who's going to win? Lacey or Natalia? Natalia. Babyface. Yeah. Glorified house show. So then we have the 20-man battle royal. Shit. Do you know? Do you even Why know you the teams that are on here? Oh, the teams are. Oh, this is the clear. battle royal. I'm sorry. Um, no, you're good. I actually here. Let me get the list up of you can just contestants. Give me your top five, and I'll pick one of those. <laughs> I think it's gonna be like an Andrade type. Um, I think it's gonna be a baby face. Here, I'll get the list up. It's uh. I'll look it up. Sunil Singh, Mojo Raleigh, Eric Rowan, R-Truth, Sin Cara, Brian Kendrick, Titus O'Neil, Tony Nese, Akira Tozawa, Shelton Benjamin, Apollo Crews, Buddy Murphy, Andrade, Drake Maverick, Eric Young, Luke Harper, Cedric Alexander, Heath Slater, Umberto Carrillo, and No Way Jose. So out of that list, the people I think could win, Umberto Carrillo, Andrade, Buddy Murphy. Yep. Does that Humberto Camarillo sound like Alberto Del Rio? I, I guess like every time I mean, they say it on, every time they say it on the announce, like uh, the announcers say it on like Alberto Del Rio. What? Anyways, I think I think it should. Is Buddy Murphy on Raw or SmackDown? Oh fuck if I know, dude. <laughs> Come on, god damn it. Okay, yeah. I'll, I'll Mur- Buddy Murphy's Murphy on Raw. He's a Paul Heyman guy. Paul Heyman's big on him. He's oh on good. 
Yeah, maybe he can win it. That'd be nice. Yeah, I'd be cool with all three of them winning it. I mean, the thing about Andrade is that he usually wins he's by a first round pick. Yes, yeah, Zelina Vega doing something. So I, I don't know if he's going to be she the guy to win. Too. Did she? Yeah, like when I read the reports, it was Zelina Vega, Natalia, and Lacey Evans. Hmm. So no, I thought it was Lana. Shit. Yeah, maybe. You're probably right. I don't know. Anyways. Who knows? Who knows? But I, who, I definitely... Oh, shit? Cedric Alexander is another one that could definitely win. Yeah. Well, it is a house show, so why not just do your house show, show loop of the past, what, three months? Perfect. Yeah, exactly. But the winner of that will get to face AJ Styles, so maybe Cedric Alexander actually makes sense there. Yeah. And that's <laughs> actually going to be on the kickoff show. You think show. he loses it? AJ? Yeah. No, no. I think they want to, title they want changes to aren't happening. Uh, we'll see. Keep going. <laughs> All right. Then we have the tag team turmoil match. Good I mean, God. Yeah. I mean. I don't know how you picked that. Let's just go with New Day. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say the New Day. The teams that we have in that one are the New Day. Obviously, Kofi Kingston's replacing Xavier Woods because of the Achilles or injury your boy that Otis. he has. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think Viking Raiders are going to win. Heavy Machinery could win. Lucha House Party doesn't sound likely. Uh, Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins are almost a guaranteed no. The Revival, probably not. The OC, possibly. Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode, I don't think so. And the B team, I don't think so. So I think the New Day, Heavy Machinery, or the OC are your best bets there. But, you know, what do I know? It's 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 a glorified house show, so anything could happen. Yep. New Day. <laughs> I like the new day in that one. Get get Kofi something to you know do. I mean, even because the house show one. Yeah, because he, he he lost the title and he doesn't seem to give a shit about it. So I you know which is annoying. We'll we'll yeah. see what happens there. All right, then we have Mansoor versus Cesaro. Mansoor. Yeah, obviously Cesaro is gonna put him over like a superstar. I think that's gonna be a really fun match. Potentially could steal the show. Um, yeah, that's gonna be really really fun. I need Cesaro to get a main event match. I don't even need him to like win. I just need him to have like a thirty minute main event worthy match. That'd just be great. I don't even care who it's against. It'll make him look like gold. Whoever. What about the Team Hogan versus Team Flair deal? When I watched that uh video this morning, they made it sound like this match might go on last. Main event? Yeah. Orton was talking, he said uh, like he had some tweets, he said the main event, so we'll see, but you think they would go baby faces, but I don't know how they have that team of five heels lose. So I'm just going to go with Team Flair and be wrong. <laughs> All right. Well, then if you're going to go with Flair, I'll go with Hogan. Ho- team Hogan is Roman Reigns, Rusev, Ricochet, Ali, and Shorty G, which is his fucking official name somehow. And Team Flair is Randy Orton, Drew McIntyre, King Corbin, Bobby Lashley, and Shinsuke Nakamura. So you're you're you know you're going to get the Lashley. And Rusev, you know, together, you're going to get the McIntyre-Ricochet deal. Yeah. You're going to get, uh, I think that's that's pretty much, maybe Shinsuke and Roman Reigns a little bit. Um, Ooh, I, I'd be interested to see what Ali has to do in this because I think he's one, of the, he's one of the better guys uh, that that's in need of a push before he falls Dude. out of everyone's mind. Ali, like I like him more than Ricochet because he can talk. Like that might be a hot take. I don't know how. Well, let me let me talk about that for a second because I went to a house show on Friday instead of watching SmackDown, um, and you know in Fort Lauderdale, 
And Ricochet did just a tiny little promo as he was walking into the building, you know, and they were talking about Drew McIntyre. It was a good promo, and I think that's because it wasn't super scripted. Like, he's not a the worst promo in the world. He's just doesn't know how to handle that WWE style, which a lot of guys don't. But Ali, but I don't know. I just feel like it's a little different because Ali, but different but similar because Ali was a guy that was viewed that couldn't talk, and he's done a damn good job whenever he's been given the chance over the past <clears throat> year or so. So, yeah, like I, I enjoy both, but I lean Ali <laughs> in that debate. But then we yeah. have uh, Strowman versus Tyson Fury. How do you think that one's going to end? Fury. I'm going Strowman. I, I don't see why. Are you, you? Yeah, I don't see why. Unless Fury's going to come back, but I just don't see. It's, it's just it's just Floyd Money Mayweather big show for me, except for it's another giant. Maybe. That's how I view it. Maybe, but I just think Strowman, I, you know, it, it could be good for him, but whatever. We both, yep, I think. It could be. Do you think Styles is going to lose his title? Well, if, they want to get, if they're not planning on putting the belt on the fiend, I could see them wanting to uh, give Saudi Arabia a championship change, but I would lean no at the moment. Yeah, I'm going to go with Styles retaining. And then at the top of the card we have, or at least in the top of the way I listed the card, and maybe not the way WWE is going to list the card, we have Lesnar and Velasquez and then Rollins and Fiend. Both of them, no contest. No. <laughs> No. You know how uh, pissed off people would be? You know, I take it back. Only one of them, no contest. Lesnar, Velasquez, there won't be a finish. That's no. my prediction. I think Velasquez no. is going to win. I don't think he's going to be WWE champion. So, so they booked themselves into a fucking corner again because, you know, why don't we have the championship in this feud? Eh, I take that <laughs> back. You know what? The whole story's been about Lesnar being afraid of Velasquez. Maybe Lesnar gets the... Gets gets his back after ten years and it being a fake fight this time. So maybe Lesnar uh, does a Lesnar. You know, Undertaker. You know, back in the day used to just take the low blow from Lesnar or give it to Lesnar. Maybe the ref catches him and just low blows him in the nuts. No contest. Boom. Hey, I I, I could see that. What about Rollins and Fiend? <laughs> Fiend. Fuck it. Yeah? You think the title change, universal title change, they're going to give the fans what they want when the fans can't nope. actually see it in person? I lied person? because he's on SmackDown and Rollins is on Raw, and yep. you just need to end this before I lose my mind. I think that they're going to have – I think that they're hoping Rollins will get cheered as he beats The Fiend in this fall count want? anywhere. Match can't stop for any reason, I assume, other than pin or submission. Um but yeah, I think I think the idea here is to kind of sweep it under the rug, get a cheer for Rollins so that they can put a video package together where he's cheered about it and try to move on from it. I don't know if the fans, the WWE Something Universe real. is going to be that accepting of it, but that to me just feels like the plan. It's unreal how they can fuck up the Fiend. Shouldn't have put him in the championship feud if you weren't going to put it on him. I never thought he should be in a championship feud. Exactly, but if you're going to put him in it, he has to win. I guess, I guess, but we'll, we'll see. I, I do think he'll get the title down the line, but, you know, it, it'll be an interesting day tomorrow, and yeah, you know, I'll be live-tweeting that show. Jokes. So we'll see how it all plays out, you know? Yeah. Time's at 2 o'clock tomorrow? It is at 1 p.m. Eastern. The 1 p.m. Eastern. 
the kickoff show starts at noon, and that 20-man battle royal is going to be on the kickoff show. So make sure that you tune in for that if that's something that interests you. And I think that wraps things up for today. We did a lot. We covered the Wednesday Night Wars, and we talked about Crown Jewel. Before we go, Dustin, why don't you let the people know where they can find you on social media? You can follow me on Twitter at dwhitehead96, and make sure you're following MSE Pro Wrestling on Twitter. And if you have any questions, send them our way. Absolutely. We're always going to answer everyone that, uh, you know, sends us a question or even a comment at MSE Pro Wrestling. Also, make sure that you're following our main site's Twitter if you want to keep up with all of our articles. We're going to have an AEW recap and an NXT recap this week, along with the Crown Jewel um, recap as well with my star ratings there. I'll be live tweeting the show anyways tomorrow, but uh, you know, if you're one of those people that just doesn't really want to support the Saudi show and just wants the results, I'll definitely have that for you. Um, so make sure you're following our main site's Twitter at MishSportsN, at M-I-C-H, Sports E-N-T. And you guys can follow me at Dave Brosenberg, at Dave, B-R-O-S-E-N-B-E-R-G. Um, thanks so much for listening, guys, and we'll be back next week with another episode of the Other Wrestling Dave's Podcast.